This episode of Excuse the Intermission is presented in partnership with the Grand Cinema. The Grand Cinema is the South Sound's nonprofit home for independent, international, and local film. The theater strives to enrich the lives and enhance the cultural vitality of the greater Tacoma community through the art of film. The Grand Cinema is dedicated to providing their signature art house movie going experience in a safe and healthy fashion. There is something for everyone at the Grand Cinema. Along with their wonderful weekly programming, they are also home to the Weird Elephant Late Night Film Series, the Silver Screen Society, Free Family Flicks, and Tacoma's Outdoor Movie Series. You can also inquire about theater rentals at the Grand Cinema by contacting their box office or website. The staff and volunteers cannot wait to make your experience at the movies a memorable one, so grab your friends, grab your tickets, and don't forget to stop at the concession stand for the Grand Signature Popcorn. The Grand Cinema is located at 606 Fawcett Avenue in Tacoma, Washington, and open seven days a week. You can find them online at www.grandcinema.com and on Instagram and Facebook at The Grand Cinema. How's it? I'm Alex McCauley. I'm Max Fosberg. And I am Grant Colby. And this is Excuse the Intermission, a discussion show surrounding the life-saving, the universe-saving powers of mixed martial arts. That's right. On this review episode of ETI, we will be breaking down the newest Warner Brothers and HBO Max release, Mortal Kombat, and putting that film through its own rigorous life-or-death battle with our seven-category review system. Blood will be spilt. Limbs will be lost. And of course, moves will be finished ahead next on Excuse the Intermission. Have you ever experienced anything difficult and not felt like you had an outlet? I'm Haley Crow, the host of Facilitating Voices, an outlet podcast, where we discuss complex topics surrounding mental health, social justice issues, and interview people with real and raw experiences and exposures to trauma. Tune in to learn, grow, and realize you're not alone. New episodes released weekly on the Chatter Network. All right, guys, we have the sixth film of the WB and HBO Max's 2021 slate to discuss on the show today, and it is a doozy. Mortal Kombat is an intellectual property that has been around for nearly 30 years as the first installment of the storied video game franchise was released in 1992 and the first film in 1995. So I feel like that's a good place to start this conversation. What was your guys' relationship to the video games and the films that have come before this? So I was always more of a Street Fighter player when I was growing up. It was uh, for for no better way of putting it. It was the easier of the two fighting games. Mortal Kombat was always really known for being pretty difficult because it wasn't button mashing. It was strategic moves, combos, that kind of thing, doing things in a sequential order. But I always remember Mortal Kombat having the cooler characters, just having a little bit more... Obviously, there's more blood, there's more gore that's a little bit more intense. But then also, like, comparatively to other fighting games that are very cartoonish, they used, like, in the original ones, like, they used real people. So, like, it it just has its own iconic look to it. Um, So I loved, like, you know, I didn't have a Sega Genesis. I had a Super Nintendo. So it was fun going over to my friend's house and them having Mortal Kombat because, of course, my parents wouldn't let me play that game because of your ripping spines out of people's backs and that kind of thing. But I remember, like, going over to my buddy Taylor Guam dad's house going over to um kyle mcclain's house and just like being able to like dive into some mortal Kombat was always really fun and you know it, you never, you don't have to play the game to know the, the slogans that surprises me about kyle i know his parents pretty well they were letting him well, play no, no it was it was mostly us at taylor's house okay. but it was like okay. us like wanting to you know anytime we could go rent a game at hollywood video like we were we were sneaking some shaolin monks or armageddon in on ps2 or, or something like that you know <laughs> uh, max what about you how are you with the mk franchise uh, you know, I really have no relationship with it. Uh, I didn't. I didn't play the games growing up. Uh, I think I've seen the original movie once. Um, you know, due to pop culture, I, I know what Sub Zero looks like. I know what Scorpion looks like. But I, I think I was telling Derek on the way over here. I, I always thought Scorpion and Sub Zero were brothers, and Scorpion was a bad guy as well. Um, I mean, like, yes and no. They like neither of them are like. This is the the one where they kind of make. Uh, Scorpion more of like the revenge story, which is why he's a quote unquote a bad guy. But like in the fr- in the in the very first Mortal Kombat, Shang Tsung has that line where he's like, "Mortal enemies, but controlled under my magic." Oh. And so, but like, yeah, I mean, they both look very menacing. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I've played some of the games here and there, you know, in my later years, but uh but yeah, not a huge not a huge IP for me. So I admittedly was a Tekken guy and oh, I feel like hell yeah. Tekken, my was Tekken. <laughs> Tekken was probably like third on the uh, you know, fighting game power rankings yeah. behind Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter. Uh but I always just really liked Tekken. I I Guarantee though, for one Halloween at least, I was. I believe it was Sub Zero though. Like it, it is just part of the lexicon. Absolutely. Of, of not only like video game characters, but kind of just like it's hard to call them like cartoon characters or just. But they're just a part of pop culture. Yeah, they're iconic. Yeah, Sub Zero and Scorpion for sure are iconic. Uh, I did like the 1995 film a lot. Uh, it, that was like for me growing up a total just like. TNT or TBS classic. Absolutely. Like it was always, always on, I feel like. And so I probably watched that film a collection of like 20 times, you know, catching different bits and pieces of it. So I always really liked that one. It's kind of like my first exposure to sort of like an awesomely bad movie. Yeah. I would say like movies like that and Dante's Peak mm-hmm. growing up were always kind of movies that I got a kick out of. Um, but so this iteration of Mortal Kombat is written by Greg Russo and Dave Calam- Ham. With story credits going to Russo and a guy named Oren Uziel, Callahan being the veteran of that group, having worked within various IP realms for the better part of this past decade. Uh, the movie is directed by first-time feature filmmaker Simon McCoyd. It was shot by Jermaine Mc, McMicking, who most recently worked on the most recent True Detective season and got his start by shooting shorts and docs, as, as most do within the film industry. Uh, and then the music on this film is by Benjamin Walfish, who I honestly think is the most seasoned and accomplished person on this crew. His previous works, once I looked them up, had bangers like Hidden Figures on there, A Cure for Wellness. He did the music on both the It Chapter 1 and 2 movies, Blade Runner 2049, Shazam, and then most recently, The Invisible Man. There you go. So this is a guy all of a sudden, like, I'm looking for Benjamin Walfish's name in the opening credits here. Uh, Mortal Kombat, this iteration stars Louis Tan, Jessica McNamee, Josh Lawson, Makad Brooks, and then a litany of martial arts experts who I'm going to let Grant pronounce. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, you have Louis Tan coming in as the the, the new character. He's uh, brand new, written for the movie. Um, amazing martial artist. You have uh, Joe Toslam as uh, Bihan or Sub-Zero. You have one of my favorite um, – I'd say he's climbing the ranks of one of my favorite actors, but uh, you have uh, Hiroyuki Sanada as Hanzo Hasashi or Scorpion. Um, you have Tantanabu Asano as Lord Raiden, Chin Han as Shang Tsung, Ludi Lin as Liu Kang, and Max Huang as Kung Lao. And you look up any of these guys, you have seen a movie that they've been in. Um, Tantanabu Asano, who plays Raiden, is... Uh, uh, I forget his character's name, but he's in Thor. He's one of the Warriors 3. Uh, Hiroyuki Sonata is in everything. Everything. He, he's yeah. coming up in Army of the Dead, so he's still just like pumping things out left and right. Uh, Chin Han, I most notably know from The Dark Knight. Uh, mm-hmm. He plays Lao, and so uh, just cool to kind of see him. Kind talking of, TV. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and then Ludi Lin, um, another martial artist who's kind of like breaking out right now. He uh, he had a, a small role in Aquaman. He's had a couple other like action roles, so it's kind of cool to see um, – not only these iconic characters, but have them get talented people in the martial arts field and especially appropriately having Japanese actors play Japanese characters, Chinese actors playing Chinese characters was um, really awesome to see. And one of the things that made me most excited for this movie. So, yeah, this movie so, was not, you know, quote unquote, whitewashed. No, at yeah, all. No. killer. And, and, and that was good. Yeah. And and honestly, I will say, as we'll get into this, the specs of the movie, but uh, all, everyone I felt was perfectly cast for this kind for this character that they were playing. Agreed. Uh, so the movie, of course, opened this past Friday in theaters and on HBO Max at 12.01 a.m. And to my surprise, is doing very well commercially. Uh, Mortal Kombat, as of this recording on April 26th, has grossed $23.3 million. Uh, it currently sits at 55% on Rotten Tomatoes, but who cares when you're rolling in 20 mil after opening weekend? I, I thought about maybe going to see this in a theater. Because, you know, it's a big action flick. I'm glad I didn't go spend money on it. But, uh, yeah, I, I can yeah. see why people want to go out. I, I, I had the same debate, but I eventually just watched it at home. Well, then that just leads us perfectly into our kind of general thoughts section before we get into our review. What did you guys think of this movie once you fired it up? I thought it was pretty silly. Uh, you know, 
right in line with with what WB has really been putting out this year with Calm versus Skull, or, or Godzilla vs. Calm, uh, Wonder Woman eighty four. Uh, just like these, just very uh, shallow action, big IP, flashy movies. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was pretty silly. It had some moments that were cool. Um, obviously, because it's you know some of the fatalities uh, were 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 fun to see on screen. But um, yeah, I don't know. It was uh, <laughs> it was it. It was nothing to write home about. Yeah, it it is how Alex put it er, earlier. It is an awesomely bad movie, and I've said it before on this podcast several times. I love awesomely bad movies. I love the, how I can laugh at a movie right and how uh, how bad it is as I'm watching it and still have a fun time. the The action and the visuals of this movie are incredible. The choreography and a lot of the fight scenes is awesome. The writing is terrible. <laughs> Um, a lot of the side character acting is terrible. The story idea is fantastic. The story execution is terrible. Um, but I, I watched it and I loved it. I can't wait for more. I, I hope it does well enough that we get sequels. I know uh, Joe Toslim, who is Sub-Zero, signed a contract where if the first one is successful, he's signed on for four Mortal Kombat movies. Well, it's successful enough to at least get one of those. Maybe. I'm sure. I'm sure it will. So I, I, I really enjoyed it while also recognizing the terribleness of it. <laughs> so I surprisingly enough, like to my own surprise, especially quite enjoyed this movie. I thought that the pace in which a nearly two hour, like martial arts movie based off of a video game, the way that it uh, presented itself was pretty good. Like I really enjoyed how there was like the exposition was it was done and it was understood by all the main characters very early on um our lead character as soon as he meets Jax and Jax is like you need to go to Gary Indiana he's like I'm on my way there there's <laughs> yeah. there's really no like Oh, do I need to do this? Like all these extra scenes, like the too long didn't need, you know, the movie's an hour and 50 minutes, but still I felt like a lot of the decisions were made or they, like they were committed to once they got to, um, you know, this kind of like special hidden arena place, whatever they called it. Um, once they got there, we started discovering our powers right away. There, there was really no, like, I got to go through this to figure them out, blah, blah, blah. We got our fights right away. Our ending, you know, we, we wanted Scorpion versus Sub-Zero. You get Scorpion versus Sub-Zero. You, you were getting everything, you get everything that you want at a pace that feels quick and brisk. And I, I honestly like that. And it made me like the movie a lot more than maybe like the specs of it warrants. The script obviously is pretty laughable. Uh, but no, how many times do they say Mortal Kombat? Quite a bit. <laughs> quite but, but, a bit. But even, <laughs> even in that sense, wrong. exactly. Even in that sense, like that line of, like that last part, the first, like when, when, um, our girl, um, so, Sonia, yeah. Sonia Blade is, is doing the whole exposition dump. He, our guy even says to her, like, you made that last part up, right? Because it's almost just like two on the nose. And so <laughs> this movie does not take itself too seriously. Whereas like a movie like Godzilla versus Kong, people like Rebecca Hall make that movie feel way more heavy than it really is. And this movie, I love that we don't really have um, any any real relations, you know, to discredit any of these actors. But yeah. like, there's no all this, you know, there's nobody like an Alexander Skarsgård thrown mm-hmm. into this movie mm-hmm. that you have a bunch of baggage with. So I, I found it pretty easy, aside from one character, to like just sort of immerse myself in this world that mm-hmm. they were giving us. I like this movie, guys, and yeah. we'll get to the overall ratings and you know our categories here in a minute. But I I was pretty, I, I would not have spent money on it if I had. I would have felt a little silly. But I liked watching this movie from the comfort of my own home, just kind of at, at my leisure. <laughs> um, so we'll get into our uh, seven category system review system here in just a minute. But we're going to take a pause and hear from uh, one of our buddies here at the Chatter Network. Welcome to Redux, a podcast about music by a music lover for music lovers. I'm Van Berryman, math teacher by trade, podcaster by hobby, former radio host and production coordinator, and avid music lover. Step into Redux for deep looks into album reviews with a concise but thorough comparison of an artist's first album to their most recent and their journey to get there. Plus, top 10 lists, best ofs, and other musical inputs to get you through the day. If you like what you hear, drop a follow on Instagram at Redux Podcast, and feel free to let me know there what reviews you want to hear. 
Come along on this journey with me, sit back, and enjoy the ride. We'll be back after a quick break. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. All right, so category one, top of the lineup. Uh, are you guys trying to just assemble the best group of fighters or, or what are you going to do with this one? Because I try, I was maybe thinking of getting meta with it and, and, uh, using some, some, uh, people to fill my roster that weren't actually characters, but I finally decided just to go with characters and kind of the ones I liked and didn't like. So I'm curious as to what your guys' lineup looks like. Who's, who's batting lead off for you, Max? Uh, lead off for me is Scorpion. Uh, that's who I have as well, which me I mean, is kind oh, of, okay. Too. Yeah. Cool. Is, we all is, have Scorpion. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of the obvious thing, right? Cause it opens up on the Scorpion compound or, or the, uh, Hanzo co- compound. Um, when he is a human before he becomes a hooded fighter, right? Was a hellish zombie. Yeah. Fighter, yeah. Right. Whatever he is. Yeah. Um, no, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think he, he is, I mean, he he's the reason this whole thing kind of gets started, and he is the connection to the the kid who boxes um, later in life, and and then and then he also comes back around to help save the day. So uh, he's he's kind of my my first guy that that I want up there hitting first. Yeah, it's exactly what you want in a leadoff batter yeah. somebody who can start the movie and then if his if he gets called upon yeah, comes back later around. in the film yeah. yeah he can do his job yeah and it's kind of like even though we don't really go into it his story just sets up the lore and get, gets you interested in the movie real quick the fact that you know the, the, let alone him getting the kunai and and you seeing him make that weapon that, that was pretty to awesome yeah. awesome i would love to see a, a prequel oh of, yeah of just them in feudal japan yeah that would be that fantastic would be really um and so, like, it gets you, it gets you wrapped in the movie, and he just does it perfect. It's just a great job of getting you engulfed right away. And his story is it, it, the the movie is yes, sure. Cole Young is, is quote unquote the main character, whatever. But it is all about Scorpion and his lineage. And so, like, it, just to start the movie off, it it was awesome. I really enjoyed it. Well, and not only his character, but I really liked that opening sequence where now there was like a red band trailer to this film that got released, so we knew that this was going to be like a hard rated R because of yeah. some violence. But holy shit, in that opening fight, we are just like stabbing daggers through guys' skulls. And And blood is just pouring out. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, (laughs) Great stuff, to be honest. Um, Okay, so we're all leading off with Scorpion. Uh, So then who's on deck for you? Uh, So on deck for me, and this is kind of getting meta. I have something written down, but I'm actually just going to change it now because of what we were just talking about, is, is the gore. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Okay, so this is kind of what I like wanted to do with mine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the gore. I mean, the gore moves moves the movie along, and and that's a huge reason why you're you're invested and you keep watching the movie is because of like all of a sudden there's this fucking lizard in in a room yeah. with you that <laughs> drooling acidic slime. Yeah, <laughs> and we're, but and it's invisible, and then we're pulling we're pulling hearts out, and then uh, you know, but also like Kano is all fucked up. Um, were we all sidebar? Were we all waiting for Kano to take a bite out of that heart? Because I certainly was. I thought this crazy Australian dude was just gonna. <laughs> that would have been a great touch. I, I was waiting for it. That would have yeah. been a great touch. Uh, but then also we have Jax like getting his arms freaking <laughs> frozen off, and you're seeing the bone and whatnot. Um, yeah, I mean, and and one of my, I, we'll talk about more later. But like also with like Kun Lao and and the the Bat Lady, like that was a great uh, little moment of, yeah. of gore so for yeah for me the gore really moved the story and, and and kept me invested i'm i'm that's not who i have but i'm totally with you on it <laughs> that's great um i'm going with uh max wong as kung lao i thought he was a really cool especially because you know like kung lao and Liu kang were always you know besides scorpion and sub-zero were always like two of the first characters he wanted to be they were the, the coolest the the blade hat the the floating kicks the fire dragon like that it's just all like it's just quintessential mortal combat mm-hmm. and so them kind of 
redoing Liu Kang's story a little bit and having him be like, like almost idolizing Kung Lao, I thought was really cool. And Kung Lao coming in as kind of like that almost arrogant, like, hey, I'm the best chance, so listen to what I have to say. And then some of them kind of being like, eh, yeah, you're right, so I am going to listen to what you say. Like, I just think he delivered a good job. And also, mostly it was because I liked his fight scenes a lot, especially the fatality with the uh, Nikita um, or Nikita. I forget what the bat lady's name is. Anyways, Nat- Natara. Natara, thank you. Um, but yeah, like bat I, lady. I think uh, I think Max Wong did a, a great job um, in in that, and also uh, you know, obviously, spoiler alert. But uh, the uh, Shang Tsung part, like when he's getting his soul sucked, like mm. that. It, even though he dies, like that's just quintessential Mortal Kombat. Like he, his character did a lot of big things for this IP. The fatality, the his fights, it's everything. It so was is just, he really dead? Then? It's it's Mortal Kombat, you know. It's it's the same way with like, and I was gonna get into this later, but you know, like Sub Zero is dead, but Joe Talsum is coming back as Noob Cybot, and you know, then his brother will be the new Sub Zero, so they're gonna introduce that. Um, you know, fucking Scorpion's a zombie, so if he can come back. So I bet that there's a way. Um, there's uh, there's a character that is in the lore. Um, that is there's two there's two of them. Shin, uh, Shinnok. And oh, I forget what this other guy's name is, but he's the one responsible for like bringing people back from the dead. He's a necromancer. So I'm sure they, they can find a way. If anything, like in the current Mortal Kombat right now, like Liu Kang's a bad guy. So if anything, you can bring him back, have Shang Tsung use his magic to make Kung Lao a bad guy. And that'd be awesome. I'd watch that. Uh, on deck for me is Joe Toslim as Bai Han in yeah. Sub-Zero. I really liked him. Um, the Siren Hines character in Justice League. What's, what's Steppenwolf? Yeah, Steppenwolf. Thank you. I kind of felt like he had some Steppenwolf vibes where he had to answer to like the dark, like how Steppenwolf had to answer to Dark Side. But in this movie, it's like Sub Zero sort of answered to nobody, even though he still had to keep going back. And you're kind of you see him in the Outworld, and I really like the Outworld yeah. and the stuff we got there, or whatever. Um, but every time we jump back to his character, or his character showed back up in fucking Earth Realm, one of my just just called earth but but i get we're in a universe you got called earth realm or whatever um but so i really liked every time that we returned to the sub-zero character his intro to earth where he is like picking up the ice and moving you know kind of all the everyone's like it's snowing and you of course as an audience member are just like it's not snow baby yeah. like sub-zero is he's on his way mm-hmm. um so i just i really liked his character Everything that they do with his powers. I, I also, too, like in, you know, when you're in feudal um, Japan at the beginning and you kind of see like the beginnings of his his powers. Maybe not the beginnings, but as an audience you, member, your first time seeing them. Um, you see them, they're a little bit lack. And yes, then you, you yeah. jump forward 400 years. He's done away with the name Bihan. He is now I am Sub-Zero. Yes. And you see that he yeah. has like mastered his power. And it's it's that that progression was really cool. I had other quotes uh, that, that ended up replacing this, but that was the first quote that I had written down that I really liked where he goes, I am no longer uh, Bihan. Yeah. I am Sub-Zero. And you're just kind of like, all right, like it's time to play now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I had him. All right. So who, who's in the hole for you, Max? I mean, it's Kano. Uh, the guy is, he is the most annoying thing when he's on screen. Did you have this? He no, says, no, okay, no. I, n- neither yeah. did I, but I'm with you. He, he says some of the most ridiculous lines, which I have a lot of them written down for the, <laughs> for the next category. Um, but like he is extremely entertaining. Uh, and do we know, is he putting on an accent or is he actually Australian? He's Australian. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So there was, a, there was a huge fan push for him to play Kano because he's perfect for it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, hopefully, you know he's going to come back in the next one and he'll be bald with his metal metal head or whatever. Because um, I, I was looking like, how accurate are these characters to the, to the video game? Um, but, yeah, uh, he, for me, he was hitting an annoying home run every single time he was on 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 the screen a bunch of solo shots yeah if you would yeah Yeah. and probably for the other team too right like (laughs) (laughs) um well then just going back to what alex was talking about this i have sub-zero for oh okay Um, Okay. i thought he was like kind of how you put he he's answering to shang Tsung, but he's kind of also doing his own thing like there's that point where he's like no i'm gonna go kill the hasashi bloodline like i need to do that once he finds out um so I, it's just that imposing. And then also I, I loved kind of the structure of when they all split up and have to start fighting other people. And like, like we never get to the tournament. So this is kind of like the the 
baby turn. Another part I loved about the pacing. Yeah. Just do away with it and let's just yeah. handle our business. Let's try to get the advantage. And yeah. and then and then Cole Young at, at the end saying like we'll deal with Sub-Zero later. Like Sub-Zero is always the second to last fight before Goro in the first one or before uh, right. Sh- Shao Kahn or Shang Tsung or anything. Um, and so like it threw me back to one of my favorite lines from the TV show Malcolm in the Middle where <laughs> there's just this uh, there's this amazing amazing part where uh, Dewey is just like ma- saying made up things. He's like, and then I met a monster in a bush and I fed him things. And then Reese is like, shut up. That's not real. And Hal just goes, Reese, if your brother said it's real, then it's real. And he goes, oh, come on. No one believed me when I said I beat Mortal Kombat. And Hal's response is, well, that's insane. Nobody beats Sub-Zero. <laughs> and it's like Sub-Zero was so hard to beat. So I like that they put like him at the end, like the end fight. I thought that was just a nice yeah, little like nod. Yeah, the final, final boss. Exactly. It was yeah. a nice little nod to to the OG Mortal Kombat. So Sub-Zero was just the f- funnest part for me. The, the powers, everything. The fight between him and Scorpion at the end was my favorite. It is, it's just awesome. He's cool. He's awesome. So going into this, I I didn't want to wind up with this guy. I felt like it was a bit chalky, but then I never really found myself like getting annoyed with the character of Cole Young. I thought Lewis Tan did a really good job of his line deliveries, which were not written well for him, um, for for the relationship that he kind of had with uh, not only his family, but then also um, what's our girl? Sonya Blade. Sonya Blade. Sonya Blade, yeah. Where I was just kind of like, okay, he's got to balance these two different relationships now. Um, d- thought he did a good job of that. And and also, too, like I said, just like he's the, he was the type of guy that would just make a decision and stick with it. You know, like he, he was responsible for carrying the movie basically as far as like providing the human element. I guess Sonya, too. But you kind of knew all along that sooner or later she would kill Kano, get his marking with with um, Cole Young here, you just you rooted for him kind of throughout the whole movie. And he never did really anything to make me not root for him. I always wanted him to you know find his um like his what what is our... I I forget the name too. Yeah, what they because this is new of like and I love how they explained the supernatural part. Of but it. like, like by you finding your power basically yeah, yeah. for for lack of remembering the term right now. Arcana. Arcana. Yes, thank you, Derek. Um, so yeah, I I really like the Cole Young character. Um, thought he did a pretty good job. I love this scene with Goro, which we'll get to here. I'll get to here at least in a minute. Um, okay, so then when you needed when you need somebody to steal a scene or two from you, who's your pinch hitter? Pinch hitter, yes. Yeah. Okay, and then so if you needed somebody to come through with you and uh, kind of rejuvenate, give you a little bit of a up uplift, uh, who's your pinch hitter, Max? Give me all these uh, interesting bad guys. These uh, the the Goro, right? The four armed guy, the uh, the the guy who looks like a big uh, furnace. Uh, <laughs> Cabal, Cabal, yeah. yeah, yeah. That guy, the guy with the hammer, uh, the the Bat Lady. Uh, yeah, I, I just and and even like the the one chick with the mouth, Melina. The, the so, mouth. so she's yeah. mine. Yeah, yeah played yeah. by CC Stringer. Yeah, yeah she's just awesome. give me I, I, any any one of those guys. Like I, they were very interesting to look at. Uh, I wish there was more of them. I hope the four armed guy isn't actually like dead. I, I, you know, I like you're saying it's Mortal Kombat, so I'm sure everyone can come back at some point. My guy got well, he's, disemboweled he's, though. <laughs> the, the guy with the forearms, uh, Goro, he got uh, taken at the end through Shang Tsung's magic. So I'm oh, sure okay. I'm sure he's coming back. Cool, cool. Yeah, a- any of those guys were really, really interesting to look. Yeah, at. yeah. I loved I loved that dynamic of just kind of like not really giving them backstories and just being like, nope, sh- this, these are the fighters he has. Let's go. Um, for me, I want to say one of the characters, but for me, it was the graphics department. the 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 CGI in this movie was insane and not over the top. So I like yeah. this placement for it in the pinch. Yeah, spot. it was it was really well done. Like I remember like commenting on like Jax's first arms being so tiny, and I was just like, this just looks weird. And then when he gets his Arcana and like they evolve the close up of the armor evolving, I was like, whoa. Uh, Cole Young when he gets his armor just like appearing on him, I was like, that was looked great. Goro looked great. All all this he did the ice, the fire. Like everything was just on point. There was, I think there was only one point and it was in the beginning where there's sometimes like when CGI, like the frame rate, like it just kind of looks like it's like skipping a little bit. Like it didn't quite like get up there. And there's this one part where Scorpion's like throwing the kunai around and it's just like the way the rope moves. I was just kind of like, oh, like weird. I noticed that. Other than that, the CGI was just 
awesome. And so big ups to the visual effects department. Yeah, I think that's why I liked Melina so much. Is yeah, I, yeah, I, her whole, I, I, her yeah. whole face. She looked like she really reminded me of uh, like the vampires in Thirty Days of Night. Mm. Yeah. The way the way that they kind of had just like the blood stained cheeks and stuff. Yeah. That's kind of her whole vibe. And then when she really did go with like almost the Cheshire cat, like huge fangs and, and, and stuff, it breaks the skin, and so you see why cool. it's like Man. like scarred that way. It's so cool. Great stuff. So yeah, she she was. Uh, Pinch ending for me there. Uh, okay, so best quote. Uh, basically, all of all like, of Kano yeah. lines. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I give a good foot massages. Kano wins. Um, the you're, one, you fucking beauty. Yeah, the, the uh, one I had that I loved was your beer shit and you're almost out of it. Yeah, that was great. Great line. That was yeah. my favorite. Uh, I, how about I take this stupid fucking sombrero you're wearing, shove it so far up your ass, you start speaking Spanish. Which that listen terrible, but uh, it was hilarious. That was that was in my list of, of favorite lines. <laughs> yeah, Kano, uh, that actor, he he. He got all the worst and the best one-liners, and so yeah, pick from anything from him. So I, I love this because it is so this movie, and it needed to be. And even though it's bad and it's out of place and it almost doesn't make sense, every time it happened, I found myself just being like, oh, oh, oh yeah. But all of the Mortal Kombat lingo, just Kung Lao going fight. Uh, Shang Tsung randomly just going finish them at the beginning of a fight um, uh, when when Kung Lao does the, uh, the, the kills uh, the bat lady and, and, then, and then he does the flawless victory it's like it's so out of place but it's so good and then uh, and then Liu Kang I think it's Liu Kang but the, the whoever just says fatality just, yeah. just after they kill someone I'm just like god it's so it's, it's after that like fire dragon yeah, scene yeah and then it's just, yeah, fatality for Kung Lao. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fatality Liu Kang. Yeah, And yeah, it's yeah. just like, yes, give me more of that. I wanted every person to say fatality when they killed someone. I think it should have been a rule in this, that if you <laughs> kill someone in the movie, you have to say fatality. The Kano wins is so good. Just Because if someone said that in real life after they kill, like win a fight, it's like, okay, put a dollar in the douche jar, man. Like, <laughs> like it's so fucking douchey, but it's so great. Just Kano wins. Uh, like, I, I loved, I loved it. So yeah, all the all the Mortal Kombat lingo was was great. I'm bummed, no one said toasty. Mm. I, don't, I don't know if you guys know that, but there's this thing. I think it's in Mortal Kombat two and three, and it's maybe even in the first one. But it's like there's this like secret code, and if you land a certain hit doing something, this guy pops off of the side of the screen, and he's like wearing sunglasses, and he's holding a sign, and he just goes toasty, and then like disappears. <laughs> and it's like one of the it was like one of the creators. It was either Ed Boon or uh, T- uh, Tobias, but it's uh, it was always funny. So I was like, I was hoping, I was hoping for that, but it didn't happen. <laughs> no, we got a lot though. Yeah. Um, Okay, so then shoot your shot. Favorite camera use? Uh, <clears throat> for me, it was when Kun Lao cuts Bat Lady in half with yeah. his hat. Uh, how he how he like gets up on top of her and then rides her down and like starts spinning the the hat like a saw in the sand and and like the the angle that it comes in and and you see her brain and all of her insides just like split the hat. Uh, that was that was my favorite favorite scene sequence. Yeah, um, I, I already said the the close up of Jax's arms just because that was just great CGI. Um, any fight with Scorpion, the first one and the last one against Sub Zero, there's just so many good good shots. And I and this is one thing real quick going into the shots. I love action movies when you can follow the fight. There are so many fights where the the cuts in the scenes, like and or uh, the lighting, is yeah. The, the lit. beginning of the Dark Knight is guilty of this. Of like, it's hard to track the fight because you're not really seeing it happen like fluidly. And this movie is like you don't miss a punch, you don't miss a move, and they did a really good job of that. Um, I would say my favorite shot though is is. I don't. It's in the trailer, but I I think it was so cool of Sub Zero holding Jax's gun when he fires it, mm. and and like watching the bullet move like slow down, like it comes out fast, and then you know and like, just like like yeah, partic- particleizes, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah, and particleizes. So yeah, there's bits going everywhere, but you still get that one going there, and it's just it was just really cool and a really nice just touch to you just immediately realize 
okay, you can't fuck with this guy. Like this, this is crazy. And so, yeah, it basically, basically any shot of sub zero and his powers was fucking incredible. Yeah. I like that a lot. I had that written down. Um, Two quick shout-outs. I really liked before we see Goro and he just like the those gates open the in the sh- outworld and the, the, the shadow of yeah. him. That was really cool. Um and then just a, a total shout out to the whole just outworld. Um, yeah. I, I thought that especially the scene in which uh Melina is like walking um to go kind of meet everybody as they are like just, you know, kind of walking around these grounds and these these different fields and stuff. It gave me like some weird almost like the the planet that they're on in Prometheus sort of vibes, mm-hmm. kind of like some Ridley Scott vibes yeah. of of this like dystopian sort of just wasteland uh, that they're living in. Thought that I just thought those shots were all pretty cool. Um, okay, now I said that we would rename this once Trent and Atticus won their Oscar, which they just picked up last week. Haven't come up with a clever name yet though, so our music category is still called All Hans on Deck for the time being. Uh, so what do we have for our favorite uh, use of music in this film? Uh, for me, it was the the fight between the the end fight between Scorpion and Sub Zero, and I feel like that like integrated the most Mortal Kombat in the theme. Frozen it, Gym. It, it really yeah. It, yeah. It, it, they just start doing like right as he shows up. So uh, that that was the music that really stood out to me uh, while watching the movie. Yeah, that, the same here. It's the only it's the only thing that really stood out because it. It elevates this movie of like this is supposed to be the climactic huge fight scene, and we're listening to the Mortal Kombat theme. Like it, it's just meant to be fun, and that song kind of brings you back to the over the topness of this movie. Um, not saying that the rest of the score is bad; it fit for the movie, but I I didn't catch anything that would like I wanted to be like, ooh, let me go find that on Spotify and listen. You know, right. Um, so I have that as well. The, the frozen gym scene there at the end is really when they dial up the mortal Kombat theme. Mm-hmm. You first kind of get hints of it as each, each individual battle is happening though. And so what I had written down was the Sonya and Kano fight, uh, where it was back in her trailer, mm-hmm. which you kind of got glimpses, you heard glimpses of it and stuff like that. But just that whole scene in general, I, I like the choreography of the fights, the music going on along with it. It kind of reminded me of like the Ellie Driver and the Bride fight in Kill Bill Volume 2 when mm-hmm. they're fighting in the trailer. And she even goes for his eye, kind of like the way that like Uma Thurman mm-hmm. um, goes goes for Daryl Hannah's eye in that fight. So I almost felt like they were kind of paying a bit of bit of homage to to that scene. You know, obviously Kill Bill being like a martial arts film. And absolutely. It wouldn't, it's a great it would, call. It wouldn't no, surprise absolutely. me if they were doing that a bit. So I, I just really like the use of music uh, and everything in that fight scene. Uh, okay, so now Too Long Didn't Need, Category 5. Uh, I mean... Uh, the the boxing kids f- family stuff I don't don't need it I mean it wasn't even that crazy long um w- and this is Cole Young the main the main yeah, character yeah yeah <laughs> boxing kid uh his, his Louis Louis Tan Louis you're a great Tan. actor man Louis Tan good, is good job on yes. getting your big break yes. yeah um but yeah any but of you're his... the boxing kid in Max's but yeah, eye. sorry <laughs> sorry you're the boxing kid Cole Young I didn't remember that uh when I was writing down these all notes the MMA while I was yeah yeah I was gonna say it like it, it, he's he's doing MMA he's yeah. not a boxer whatever whatever <laughs> <laughs> the, cage the fighting community is so ready go. to cancel you <laughs> uh no uh any anything with his family stuff I I, I didn't need I didn't care no but, but 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 you know I understand why you have to have it did there. you see at the beginning when they're at that like that like drive-in spot or whatever that his daughter's eating like an ice cream cone and French fries. I'm not letting my kid. Yeah, she was. Trust me. (laughs) She's like 14 or something. I'm not, I'm telling my kid to grow the fuck up. If they think I'm letting them order like an ice cream cone and French fries, like get a meal. Then then he can get an ice cream cone. (laughs) Stop acting like a kid. Yeah. (laughs) You're my, like you're in the corner of my fights and you know, at this gym or whatever. And now you're just going soft. I can't be seen in public with you eating French fries and ice cream. I digress. Maybe, Maybe she's a vegetarian. Okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, no, but I'm I'm with you, Max. It's the it's the the wife and the daughter. Um, yeah. Also, I don't know if she's a b- bad actress or if it's just bad writing. But the kid was so bad. It was so bad. To use your uppercut, like just that's got to be the writing. But she was so flat <laughs> the entire time. And then the wife too. Like it's just like there is a way around it to get to yeah, get Co- Cole Young. Like- we're gonna to get out of here before another four armed fuck comes back or something yeah, like yeah. that. 
to, to her so, daughter. So, so that'll, that leads <laughs> into, into my too long didn't need. And first, first I'll touch on, on Kano and his pop culture references. I liked the world that we had built here where it felt a bit dystopian. It felt a bit like, yeah, they said they kept saying earth realm, but, and I kind of ripped on that a minute ago, but it made me feel like we were in a society that didn't have the same things that we did. And then yet he's making references to Forrest Gump and like finding your, um, finding your powers is like a box of chocolates and stuff like that. (laughs) He says no Harry Potter shit when they're about to have like their like trial fight in the fighting pit. And then he calls him Magic Mike. And I'm like, okay, you are totally taking me out of this. And I know that's not his fault. That's the writing once again. But I was just like, we don't need this. We don't need all these pop culture references. But then, yeah, ultimately I had the R rating. I really liked it for the violence and for the blood. And, I mean, Mortal Kombat has always been a game that's rated M for mature. So you needed it for the blood and gore. The excessive swearing. Like it really got to me and everybody was dropping, dropping F-bombs and I liked it at times. You know, it was kind of refreshing just to see that like, okay, they never even once tried to make this movie PG-13. Yeah. They went for it with the R rating. But then, yeah, when you got just like – and I get it. Sure, you just had this like otherworldly forearm figure come in and try to like – murder your whole family you would probably be cussing a little bit and stuff but just the way it was delivered where she is just like before a forearm fuck and like right. all this stuff i was like okay we're and kano just dropping f-bomb after f-bomb like when they're at the dinner table and i get that they were trying to get them all riled up so that he would discover his power and stuff but still i, I was just kind of like man you there any chance of like you know a parent trying to show this movie to their 14 year old 15 year old kid if they have any sense they're just going to kind of be like okay this is now this is too explicit for you. Um, so I thought they could have taken it a little bit easy there on the R rating, especially the swearing. Absolutely. Uh, okay, drive-in double feature. This should be interesting, as always. Because <laughs> there's chalk picks, and then there's if you want to get creative. So this this movie, for some, for some reason, really reminds me of like a 2021 version of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Like, it, it, it's kind of like this little bit of an offshoot IP, you know, a little bit darker... A little bit like, you know, getting the team together and whatnot, uh, but like odd, odd powers and, and weird, weird characters. Um, so I would I would show it with that. Uh, you know, that movie probably has a little bit more star power because you got Sir Sean Connery in there. But, um, but yeah, I just felt I just kind of got the same vibes. Uh, like, it was, oh, this is kind of like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. There you go. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I went a different route. I was like, this is a martial arts. This is an action movie. Stick with the theme. Do a kung fu double feature. Uh, I'm going with Kung Fu Hustle. I don't know if you no. guys have seen yeah, that. Yeah, I have. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a, a newer movie. came out like uh, late 2000s, early 2010s. Mm-hmm. Um, over the top martial arts movie. Um, so they like really like lean into like these tropes. Like they, like there's a gang where they all have long hair, they wear eye patches and they have hatchets and they're all in black, uh, black and white suits, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, <laughs> and then like, there's this great apartment fight scene in like the center, like corridor where like, you know, there's a lady, an old lady in like a nightgown with her hair and roller smoking a cigarette. And she's like running on the side of walls, like fighting off there's all great these guys. stunts. But, in that yeah. Movie. Yeah. So it's just over the top action, great fight choreography. And you kind of stick with the martial arts aspect and it's, it's a much, much lighter movie that's like very comedic um it's meant to make you feel good it's no like kung pao enter the fist no but it's not it's, it's not satire but no. it's it's a it's a kung fu comedy yes it, it's it's really it's really well done the visuals are fantastic you kind of feel like it's a graphic novel come to life mm. um and it's you know after mortal Kombat, which is going to like be in your face this is just going to be a nice fun while still kind of getting some good action so i like that pick a lot that's a really good one um okay so i went with another awesomely bad movie uh, a movie that i saw for whatever reason i believe it's when um uh the galaxy the uptown galaxy had just opened here and so i saw this movie i think like two or three times came out in 2008 when when i had like that pass that you know you could Mm -hmm. just go see movies the movie pass um and that's uh another movie that kind of hit on mma before it really got big but uh never backed down (laughs) you guys you guys know the movie i'm talking diamond haunts yeah exactly our guy from blood diamond uh you get of course you know the troubled amber heard in there evan peters is in this movie like i was looking back at the cast pretty solid cast um and so 
I, I, I just is another awesomely bad movie that that has the MMA vibes. It's all kind of about you know your main guy in this film. That could uh, be Sean, a prequel. Sean Ferris. He's got to find himself. Yeah, he's got to he's got to tap into to his ability to to take down the big badasses. Um, face them in the cage in the octagon sort of no supernatural shit in this movie. So I would probably show never back down first and then, you know, save the real popcorn stuff for prime time and mm-hmm. show mortal Kombat second. But uh, talk about a movie that I never thought I'd bring up here on our podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> never back down. Uh, that's mine. Uh, okay. So now what will this film's legacy be? We already talked about it. it's, it's impressive showing at the box office, but also we've talked about, um, you know, Warner Brothers and HBO Max's string of just kind of subpar as far as like quality films go. So, so what's this movie going to be remembered as? I mean, it's not, so it's not the worst video game movie of all time, right? Absolutely. Uh, it's, I think it gets thrown into that line, but towards the top, uh, as one of the better ones, uh, I, the fact that Sub-Zero is signed on for, for four more movies, I, I think the legacy will be like, this started that Mortal Kombat franchise, you know, that's now may- – maybe it's crossing over with Fast 14 or whatever. Um, but uh, I think I think it will just be the beginning of, of a franchise. And I, I, it, it, it can only get crazier from here. So I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, and that's, and that's what I'm, I was going to lead it to is like th- this universe is nuts. It is an insane, insane universe to where in the current, the most recent Mortal Kombat game, you can be RoboCop, the Terminator, Rambo, Spawn, the Joker. There's an entire game where it's DC versus Mortal Kombat. Um, so it, it's definitely a thing which you can already see that HBO and, um, uh, Warner Brothers is tapping into with the new Space Jam movie of the server verse of mm-hmm. of these crossover of IPs and you know Warner Brothers if they do anything right which is highly unlikely <laughs> um is like they they would like lean into this and like have it be the silly over the top like f- yeah we got the rights to it let's let's fucking throw RoboCop in there let's see what happens like they've made pop culture references so it obviously exists in our timeline so you know the, you know who who knows what they can do with it they have an ins- insane list of characters that we could see they already teased uh two of them in that kind of like history rundown that sonia gives a lewis mm. there's co- a reference to kotal khan who's like an ancient aztec and then uh i forget what the is it tomahawk that's the native american yeah uh, that that was the name that was written at the yeah, bottom I think. Yeah, yeah so like they've already teased a couple you know um uh sub-zero coming back as noob cybot um, you know, so you you get you get him back, you get the new Sub Zero, you get Goro coming. Like, they're, yeah, they're, there's just an insane amount that they can do with it, and I'm excited to see. So I think that legacy is going to be that this is we need these movies of we like I want a rated R movie that's so over the top and bad that I w- I will buy this Blu-ray. I I will because it's a great movie that I want to watch over and over again. And so I think it it has weight of we know we're not making a good movie, so let us just make the most ridiculous thing we can. And now the world's their oyster. So if they if this is going to be a four movie series, like I th- I don't think it stops there. I think I think this is a runaway train. So and I'm with you. That's yeah. that's kind of where I think this is going, and where I went with my legacy here is that. I, I do believe, even though I just kind of ripped uh, the the R rating and, and maybe the too long didn't need section, but I hope that this film's legacy will now be two studios that uh, it, this will show studios that you can make an R rated IP based off or uh, an R. You can begin an R rated franchise based off of an IP and it'll show you that the fan base is there. You can make money. I mean, I'm sure this film cost a, a, a boatload, but I can only imagine that you know what this movie is going to do overseas. It's probably going to do way better mm. in the in the China market and things like that. The best the best part is is that that demographic is already wanting that gore. It's like you said, the game's already like rated yeah. mature, so it's you're not going to get people that like had their issues with Zack Snyder's DC trilogy of it's too dark, it's not you know bright, it's not my Superman. You know, Zack wanted to make rated R movies, but you know you have little kids that are going to be watching. Like exactly, you're not going to have little kids going to be watching Scorpion. You know breathe fire on someone and you know, tear someone's throat out yeah, ex- yeah exactly because they already are expecting that so you're right. not gonna have parents up in the arms so yeah so, so yeah i just hope that this shows studios that you can make r-rated franchise films right which which i want to see more of yeah um whether that's in the superhero genre video game genre or just kind of 
branching out and creating your own IP. D- Deadpool is a great example. Deadpool of that. is a great example yeah. of that. Absolutely. Um, okay, so now it's time for our rating on this film. We kind of forgot to do this on Kong versus or Godzilla versus Kong, um, and so I'll kind of like mention what I would have had for that film in in relation to this movie because I think that there are kind of some similarities that you can track between the two. Whereas I would have given Godzilla versus Kong five stars just because I feel like it took itself too serious at times. With this movie, I don't think it ever really did. It knew what it was the right. entire time. You didn't have that A-lister baggage with any of the cast members. And so for for what was an hour and 50 minutes of my life that I don't regret spending watching this movie, I'll give it a six, a solid six. So I would have probably given Godzilla, I don't know. I, I'm going to give them both a five. Okay. Both a five. And you know what? Out of 10, that's an average, average movie. And, yeah. and, and they are. They're, they're average fun, fun movies to watch. You know, like you said, I, I, I'm not wanting my time back. Yeah. I, I always like to rate movies because I'm watching the movie for what it is. I'm not going to com- compare these movies to fucking Citizen Kane and The Godfather, right? But it's our rating and I, I've already done this in the past of like just being like yeah, I love this movie for what it is but like yeah, you gotta respect the rating so I'm trying to factor that in of like as much as I did enjoy this movie um, I'm giving Mortal Kombat a 6 and Godzilla vs. Kong a 5 right on yeah yeah no, and that's totally fair Um, so then between we won't give our Godzilla rating that time's coming past or yeah. whatever but Mortal Kombat clocks in at 5.6 for us there which 55% on Rotten Tomatoes we say it doesn't matter we're right there with you there guys <laughs> um <laughs> Okay, so that does it for us on this episode and for the month of April. Thanks so much to Derek Schneider for making us sound good. And, of course, thank you to all of our wonderful listeners. We love all the interactions, the likes, the subscribings, the sharings now that we're seeing on a lot of our Instagram posts. Those are really cool. Um, So just keep doing what you're doing and reviewing wherever you are listening. We really appreciate it. As summer quickly approaches now and travel restrictions hopefully continue to trend in the right direction and you start to plan potential summer getaways, we want to take you all on a cinematic vacation of our own around the country and highlight some of the best places to set a film. So we will be bringing on special guests for each episode in the month of May as we take you on our tour of the Top 5 Cities series starting next week with our Top 5 New York Films. So if you want to try and guess where we might be headed with those movies, fire up your Scorsese films, your Sidney Lumet films, and of course, your Spike Lee joints. If you're headed out to the theaters, in the meantime, remember to please be safe and wear a mask. And until next time, we will see you in the fighting pits. Stay swell and give them hell. Drink movies and watch beer. <laughs>